The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect the, the policy, policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. Just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or names. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 139. I'm Matt Hott, a school-based speech and language pathologist that also does home health care with dementia and stroke rehab, joined by our pediatric SLP, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. And our expert in executive functioning and a private practice owner in the Philadelphia area, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? How does it feel? I like it when we say why we should be quote unquote experts in the area. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> we are a we are a, a, a diverse bunch. It, it, you forget kind of. you forget like <laughs> that we're actually knowledgeable when when you're doing this show you forget that we actually know what we're talking about sometimes i don't know about you but i have learned a lot from both of you oh yes. man we know we, we know a lot about speech we don't know so much about the editing that's all that's just straight matt yeah that's all i'm an expert in i'm not an expert <laughs> on today's show why are we tuning in we're going to be talking about maybe reimagining the way we look and approach special education we're also going to do a somewhat deep dive or semi-deep dive on the ASHA pack and what it is. We've also got our uh, headlines from the news. We've got the informed SLP checking in and, of course, our ASHA spotlight. But first, we always like to hear from everybody else. So go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And from there, you can give us a phone call or text message 614-681-1798, or you can email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. We have been on air spottily. We have like four episodes this season. We're in episode season five. Uh, I miss you guys. I think this is only the second time that all three of us have been on the air to or together. So Michelle, you were gone last week. Uh, how was Texas? <laughs> we, um, yeah, we're moving to Texas. Well, back to Texas. Uh, for those who've listened, I, we used to live there and we went house searching and are in contract to buy our first home. So what? You're going to buy exciting. by? Yes. You know, that's like a 30 year commitment. Uh, not really. Cause we're only going to be there for <laughs> three to five years. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's awesome. It's still a long-term commitment for us, yes. So I'm going to ask, like, I know where any place in Texas is. What part of Texas are y'all looking around? Um, it's right near Fort Hood. So okay. that is about an hour north of Austin and 45 minutes south-ish of Waco. Wonderful. Wonderful. I don't know where any of that is, but awesome. Yeah. So and when, do you, when do you move back in there? 
We are moving there this summer, June, July timeframe. Hey, it, and you, then I will be somewhere for three years with this podcast. You say that. Instead of all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt can't man. keep track of where I live, but neither can I. So it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Mike, are you moving anywhere? Or are you still in Philadelphia with a brand still new in... speech baby? <laughs> I am still in Philly and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll be here for the time being. How does it feel there, Big Papa? Uh, the the new newest uh, baby man on the block. How's that feel? It has been awesome. I am loving every second of it, except for the sleeping. Uh, so that that's been nights have been the toughest. Uh, you know, constantly getting up and uh, you know helping her out there. But it's it, it's been great. My my wife has a nice maternity leave. Uh, and just obviously, you know, this whole COVID thing and being able to work from home so often, uh, the past two weeks at the school I work at has been closed for, for spring break. And, uh, I'm able to go into the clinic a little bit less, you know, during this early time. So I've been able to spend a lot of time with her and it's been, it's been incredible. That's awesome. And I saw you've been marketing yourself lately, doing a lot of like, uh, push talk or whatever you were doing. I saw that the, your grow now therapy is presented yourself as a, as a speaker. So that's awesome. As a speaker. I don't know. I saw you go on somebody else's podcast. I was trying to toss you a, oh, yeah. a softball here, dude. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. As yeah. a what? I'm Every trying once to be in nice. A, yeah. Be like, why are you important? <laughs> Every once in a while, someone will invite me onto their podcast and I have to represent speech science on you someone can, else's podcast. You can invite them onto ours. I was wearing my speech science onesie, so <laughs> that's all that matters. Onesie. They come in adult size. Yeah, of course. Uh, stretch it, of, stretch it out a bit. I I found another speech therapy podcast out there, and uh, we may be interviewing them. And now oh. I can't find their name. I think their name is Mandy Devito. There's only nope. like thirty of them. <laughs> there might be more than that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's a ton of speech science podcasts. There's one speech or science. speech therapy podcast. Yes, there's only there's one, one speech science, dude. Guys, so for my last two weeks, I bought a new TV for the office that I'm barely in. And I figured out what's causing my brain fog. What is causing your brain fog? COVID. <laughs> I, I, I thought we knew that. So no. <laughs> basically, they said that uh, the COVID settles into your brain like a bunch of mini strokes. Um, Yay! Well, the vaccine should help with that. Well, it's not going to stop the damage already done. Oh, well, that's just more. So you're saying that? that so you're considering so, I've also had it. <laughs> but so I also COVID, assumed so, I could attribute that to pregnancy, but I don't no. know anymore. So you're saying COVID damaged your brain, is what you're saying? It did. So, like, legit. I mean, I made I've made jokes about it on here before, where it took me two hours to Google the term asymmetric, but and I was googling face not even but i am noticing like my report writing is taking a lot longer and mike you posted that thing about like uh what was it short-term memory and i scored yeah. like almost a 30 out of 40 wow. and the little recommendation was like you may need there like you may need help and i was like yeah i'd probably do well let's hope that's not permanent <laughs> Oh, let's change gears. Let's do something positive. We got the SLP or the SS pod shout out. It's your opportunity to recognize somebody doing something awesome in the field of speech and language therapy. 
uh the ss pod shout out hashtag ss pod comes from uh, a woman named Jean. she's nominated her co-worker sue masters a pediatric slp working just outside of boston uh, she says she has implemented a new aac program for nonverbal students under the age of five so there you go somebody doing something awesome in our field i don't do a whole lot of aac with the preschoolers uh mainly because i don't like working with preschoolers michelle do you have any history with like aac in preschool in preschool mm-hmm. not as much not i much. feel like kids that i've worked with for whatever reason i don't i don't know the explanation on this but by the time people often notice or decide they want to get someone a device they're often more school age that's fair um, mike any experience with with aac yeah aac and like pediatric preschool uh yes yes uh i've done some aac with some early intervention out here in uh in philadelphia uh and it's it's been awesome uh i I definitely love doing it and you know when you get that right match when you get that right device right program right kid and you just see the speech take off and the communication take off and the quality of life take off it's awesome you know aac is still like it's it's you know it's a huge part of our field but it's still budding and it's there's still so much to learn and so much to to gain from it it's uh it's awesome every time that you do it and it's successful it's an incredible feeling and it just keeps changing and growing with technology so there's i feel like that is one specific Mm -hmm. area in speech pathology that you will never know enough (laughs) like you can try every day to stay up on it but it is as technology grows our opportunities for um you know, communi- mediated communication, augmented communication changes as well. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome though. And hey, there's that reminder, right? As speech therapists, right. that there's no prereqs to AAC. Just do it. Just do it. Get the devices, well, get the options. <laughs> so I'm struggling right now. I'm working with an occupational therapist and a physical therapist on placement of an eye gaze device. Okay. Because we want to make sure that the student can access or the person can access it. But we also want to make sure that... Uh, their functional body use is Mm -hmm. not hindered by this big old device sitting in their way. Uh, And it's kind of cool. This is one of the very few times that I've done AAC as a co-treatment. And uh, I'm learning a whole lot about things I didn't know I didn't know about, y'all. That's ideal. You've got OTPT and speech. And did you know physical therapy does other things other than help somebody walk up a flight of stairs? Yes. (laughs) Oh, Michelle, you weren't on air last week. I think I told Mike, (laughs) my daughter graduated from physical therapy. Oh, very nice. Congratulations. Head up now. So yeah, PTs do a ton, especially early intervention PTs. Mm -hmm. But so that was our shout out to Sue Masters outside of Boston. On the flip side, if you've got a problem and you want us to discuss it, head on over to any social media and use the hashtag SSPod due process and that's where your opportunity to bring to the court of public opinion uh whatever issue that you have the issue that is brought to us and i would love to hear you guys uh you know your opinions on this one uh emily h writes in asking about difficulties she's having using telepractice in a nursing home and a communication device. Basically, she wrote in saying that uh, all she can do is FaceTime with the family to try to troubleshoot issues. Uh, Yeah, this is a new area that, welcome to COVID, we've got to figure out how to do some of this basic AAC 
troubleshooting. Now we have to do it online. Yeah, this is definitely a complicated territory here. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of great resources out there for AAC and teletherapy and ways to make it work and introduce it and set up goals. But this is really an area where uh, you, you really need to get creative. So whether it's you find an SLP who's in that area who can go to the person's house and do it, or whether you are recording yourself, modeling the device and then sending them the videos, it's just gonna take that extra mile. You're gonna to have to go that extra mile with this family because AAC really, really requires that, that interpersonal connection and that rapport building and that consistent touch. So if you're a speech and language pathologist introducing a brand new device to a kid via teletherapy, you're gonna to have to get really creative, improvise, and you know, just like AAC is all about tech, you're going to have to use tech to make it work, whether you're using FaceTime, Zoom, anything. Uh, if you're finding ways to uh, share your screen so the device is on your computer and they're seeing it, um, whether you're sending a tech person to their house to work on it for them, uh, you're really going to have to go above, above and beyond to make this work. And Matt, you said this is a therapist who is via teletherapy home. or yeah, she working, is in the nursing home and she's working with somebody in the a nursing home patient using an ipad with the family to troubleshoot the device oh so the family is with the patient and she is the teletherapist yeah okay um i would definitely reach out to the rep from whichever company this device is from uh because the reps are like my go-to when I have oh my a kid gosh, right? with, um, a, I say kid because I'm a, I'm primarily a pediatric SLP, but uh, it doesn't matter the age of the patient. If you have a patient or a client, um, get in touch with the rep because uh, you have access to so many resources from that company that are free to that family, including um, quick access guides, printables, uh, practice activities, online activities that you could use in therapy to help train the support person with the devices. So um, I would really try to connect with the device rep. This email uh, got me thinking, and I can't tell you how many times that I'll get a text message from a aide in the school or even like a message from the nurse working in the home care setting who'll say like, Hey, how do you fix this? And my immediate reaction is I'll be there this afternoon. I'll be down there in a few minutes and I'll just fix it myself. And I don't think I've ever done any time to just do the like basic tech troubleshooting with the family. This, this yeah. email almost makes me think I need to like change how I do my introduction to AAC. Cause I usually, when I'm working with an aide, I'm trying to talk to them about how to make language work better for, for them in the classroom. But I never go over like how to fix a issue that is usually sometimes just hit restart on the device. Mm -hmm. Or back to the homepage, reset the right. page. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, look, support person training is so important with AAC. So thank you whoever wrote in for reminding us all of that. Emily H. Um, I had a, uh, weird AAC, uh, situation a week and a half ago, the device asked to like, uh, reboot and update. And when I did it, it said, Hey, your Dynavox subscription has now been expired. Enter a new code. And it just locked us out of the device completely. 
Oh no. So I had to call the county and I'm like, hey, so that device y'all gave us, it we're don't work no down. more. We're <laughs> locked out. And then about eh, about four or five hours later, they're like, here, enter this. And by the way, I don't know if you guys have ever used a Microsoft uh, Surface tablet. Yeah, I have. Um, it's been a while, but yes. Right, no keyboard. And mm-hmm. the code they give you is like 25 digits with different... <laughs> like capitalizations, non-capitalizations, special characters, and you're just punching in a 25-digit code. It's like old-school texting where you had to tap through the three letters to get to the letter. And I goofed it up twice. And you don't know you goofed it up until you get through the whole string of 25 numbers and letters and hit enter. And then it says, nope, not on this. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. You can phone call or uh, text message 614-681-1798. Get those shout outs and due processes. Is it due processes or due processes? Processes, I think. Processes. Oh, yeah. Get them in and we love to talk about them. Like phonological processes. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. There you go. This first article today, it's coming out of the Disability Scoop, titled, Is the Pandemic a Chance to Reimagine Special Education? Uh, I love the article. Basically, it tells the story of a uh, a family who believes that they're not getting as much uh, special services or special ed time as that is described in their IEP. And I love the, the discussion that this can start. And I pose this question to you guys. We're coming out of the pandemic. We have now realized that in-person and teletherapy, Michael and I talked about this at the last episode, uh, language samples are about the same. Transcriptions are about the same. We are finding ways to do therapy that are more innovative, less arts and craftsy. But how can we change special education for the better coming on the other side of uh, the pandemic? What do you guys think? What would be your three big takeaways that you would change in special education from what we have seen that we can do in a pandemic that maybe we weren't doing beforehand? I think that is a great question. Three big takeaways. I'm, I'm going to start with one. Okay. What, <laughs> I'll start okay. With one. Let's go. Well, say, I just came out of therapy mode. Tell me three things that yeah, start but... with a push of a button. As we discussed, I might get to three, but I'll start with one. Okay. I um, hear. One being teletherapy because coming out of this more insurances are covering teletherapy than ever before um Mm -hmm. more therapists are at least minimally comfortable doing teletherapy than ever before Mm -hmm. and more families are more comfortable doing teletherapy so i feel like teletherapy which has been around for 20 years or more is actually really finding its footing because of the situation we've been in for the last year and, um, and people, yes, it has its shortcomings, but so does various therapy settings in person. So do various therapy settings in person. And, um, and there are benefits. We've talked about them on air of, I know I've had families of my kids or my students who have said, I liked particularly for early intervention or for elementary school. Um, and even a high schooler, when I'm thinking of a certain family who, um, they liked the teletherapy because they felt like it included more parent coaching that they knew more what was happening in that session 
um, and could get more tips for implementing things at home because they were sitting with their kid or in the same room as their kid doing therapy via teletherapy. So they had to play a little more hands-on role, but also felt they could play a little more hands-on role than maybe at an outpatient clinic or um, in the school or wherever it is that they might normally be seen. So I will say positive coming out of this is that teletherapy has um, you know, solidified its place in our field. So I went to Kent State University uh, up near Kent, Ohio uh, for a year for leveling courses. And there was a professor named Dr. Sue Grogan Johnson there. And I remember this was right around 2010, 2011. And she was beginning to do research studies on telepractice. Okay. And at the time she was telling us how you, Michelle, you were like, where are you going with this story? Uh, but there was a point to the story, but she was telling us as therapists. You're reading too much into my face. <laughs> I was thirsty. <laughs> there are that she was telling us as therapists, like, Hey, this could be the next way that we are able to see students in areas of the state that we are unable to get to. And mm-hmm. Mike, you're in Philadelphia. I'm in Cincinnati. Michelle, you're out in Colorado Springs. Uh, no. No. <laughs> a few places Denver? go. Palm <laughs> Springs. Where are you? Oh, that's right. Kansas City. Kansas City. <laughs> Woo, there's that COVID fog brain. But for the most part, we're all in relatively metropolitan areas that we have a pretty decent, right? I, I've never been to Kansas City, so I'm just assuming. Yeah, I'm, I'm outside of Kansas oh, City, okay. but yes. I mean, I'm 45 minutes from Kansas City. But Michelle and I grew up in Ohio, and we know that there are parts of Ohio where there are school districts that have eight kids in a grade. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Michelle. I love the idea that telepractice may be this new foothold. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was starting to pick up back, mm-hmm. you know, around 2010, uh, where I was hearing more about it. But granted, that's also when I was finishing up school right. for speech pathology. And I did one of my externships, my school placement out in Nevada, in pretty rural Nevada. Um, Elko, Nevada, so Northeast Nevada. And uh, Elko was the quote, bigger town in that area. And it's not a large place at all. So we also serviced, we drove to a couple of their schools that were 45 minutes or an hour away and still within that district, but there were even more rural places and they were starting at that point. And that was 2012, 2011, 2012, started implementing, they had uh, one, one rural school district had a um, community center mm-hmm. that kids could go to to do teletherapy with no way. a therapist not there <laughs> no but they had a centralized location where they would go for therapy even though the therapist was not physically there with them and that's the kind of stuff that i think is going to pop up more yeah, and more I do too. Um, particularly if we can get the licensure figured out because if we can do that and it's easier to have a license multiple places there's less red tape for kids to get those services more quickly mike what is something that oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off yeah i, I was just gonna say uh wh- you know what did this pandemic do to us what it forced us into lockdown it forced us into social distancing and it helped remind us of the things that we took for granted and you know we need in our daily lives and part of what we need is that social connection and that interpersonal relationships and what is the one thing in special ed that is keeping us from doing that outside of the pandemic. 
and that's the massive amounts of paperwork and red tape. So I think the number one thing that should come out of special ed from this pandemic is a decrease in the paperwork and, and more experiences for these kids that are stuck in autistic support classes or special ed classes. They should be going out in the local communities. They should be spending t more time with typically developing peers. They, they, they need to have more project-based learning and experience-based learning. And these special ed teachers that are devoting their lives to these classrooms and these kids, we, we have got to decrease, significantly decrease the amount of paperwork they are doing on a daily basis. I love it. Kind of well, in that, oh, I'm sorry. No, go for I it. I was Trump. just gonna jump back to the, the article real quick because yeah, yeah, yeah. if, I, I think you guys had a chance to, um, did you catch the part where it talked, uh, this just blew my mind and that's why I was interested in discussing this too, is it's mainly from the standpoint of a mom who is advocating for her multiple children with special needs and special education. And uh, she not only was dealing with teletherapy and teleservices for her kids and maybe not getting the services that they deserve to get with their IEPs, but she was on a ventilator and hospitalized and in a coma due to coronavirus herself. And I just, the one part, I wanna find it where it said this mother before she could even talk again was writing messages on like a dry erase board to communicate with her kids to help make sure that they were being taken care of um, academically and with their special needs. Well, and, and as you find that, I felt it was almost heartbreaking because this whole thing talked about how, how much the school district has failed her, it felt like, mm -hmm. from where they reused another kid's IEP program to where everyone was dismissing her students or her kids because they were like, they plateaued. I, I guess I missed the part where she was on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I guess I just, it, this is obviously one family, one family correct. that we're talking about, but that is one family of those of us who have worked in the schools or worked with pediatrics. No, one family that is mm -hmm. an example of so many of the families of our kids. I, I kind of hope um, coming out of this on the other side, is a realignment kind of going with what Michael was saying um, of how we group our students and how we allocate the minutes for our students. I've had to be really creative this year to blend my tele teletherapy students with my in-person students. And I'm being more creative than I have been in the last 10 years. And I think my students are, are better for that. And I, mm -hmm. and I hope that that stays with me for another 10 years. And that's what the teaching profession is all about, especially with special ed or, or IEPs in general, is people that are creative, people that can improvise, people that can think on their feet, people that are in it for the right reasons for the benefit of these kids. And you can't get, you can't get creative when you're doing paperwork and tracking data and doing all of these things that are in the end of the day, not helping the kids. It's just, you know, saving the districts, but in case of, you know, uh, due processes. So due processes. Uh, so uh, I, I, it's really, there's so many ways to improve special ed for the better of the kids. At the end of the day, it is a broken system. Uh, and, you know, maybe we could re really revisit the, these things when we're fully back to normal. Yeah. I, and even I in this, so um, Vaughn, the mom, right, mm -hmm. also works for 
uh, the public school system. Yeah, she became yeah. A, a social worker. I think so, a counselor, mm-hmm. a social counselor. worker, and uh, and she, of course, said that she sympathizes with um, the overburdened staff, those of us who work in a school. And here's the quote from her: "That it keeps going back to what have we said." Uh, on our podcast it keeps going back to time and money which it seems like school districts never have enough of Mm -hmm. i like the uh, quote where she said that instead of measuring how ready a student is to fit into our system we can measure how ready our system is to support all the students together and they give the story about how when her son was in the her senior year and they told her again that the kid couldn't answer open-ended questions and she was like i've had enough Please tell me what my kid can do. Hmm. There right. you go. So I think we have, we, we set on the precipice of the future, the crossroads of teletherapy and in-person therapy. Uh, I think that we all have a great opportunity to make positive changes. So Absolutely. we want to know from you, what would you change in special education now that we are coming out on the other side of the pandemic Hit us up, go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. You can phone call 614-681-1798 or hashtag it up, uh, hashtag SSPod or hit us in the Discord, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. Thinking of coming out of the pandemic, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm two weeks, I'm actually four weeks out from my vaccine. I'm feeling great, even though it is late here in Ohio. Michelle, are you vaccine number one or vaccine number two? Uh, so here where I'm at in Kansas, they opened it to, I believe, 16 and older yeah. last week. So I was able to get my first dose. My husband also got his first dose. And um, and I've heard, and this seemed to happen for us, but we felt pretty terrible. Like I was very flu-like. You get the overnight. Moderna or the Pfizer? Uh, Moderna. And that was what was available here. And um, I was really hoping to get Johnson & Johnson because it's one shot. Right. That could be done, but um, I have heard that people who've had COVID have had a quicker response after the first shot. They're seeing some of that um, since you already have some antibodies Mm -hmm. built up. So I don't, my hope is that maybe the second shot, I won't feel as terrible because it was a little rough for a day, but um, still getting it. Don't want to go through COVID again. (laughs) It was better than COVID. Mike, do you, did you get the vaccine? Yes, I did. I have been I have been fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated now for almost two months now. Hey, hey. Yes, sir. Michelle, you're joining us. And what was that you posted that is now saying that it's for breastfeeding mamas? Uh, there's some research still? coming out, which I don't think is surprising. Uh, and I share this because I know we have listeners who are moms and possibly breastfeeding moms. And I know that you both are dads of young babies so Mm -hmm. um but the i thought this was positive to read that this study is showing that uh um breastfed babies are getting antibodies from vaccinated moms well that's that's exactly what's happening with my baby right now my wife just got her second shot yesterday so she she was a little achy today but nothing crazy uh and we're, we're we're hoping our baby now will will get these antibodies well, that settles yeah. it. I'm going to convince my wife to go get the vaccines so that our baby can get the antibodies. Yes. I know now that, I know that, that gave are... me a little bit of hope having had COVID yeah, while I was right. pregnant too, because um, there was research showing that uh, babies were being born with some antibodies from moms who had 
had COVID during pregnancy. So I'm like, give this baby all the antibodies we can. <laughs> that is your speech science COVID update. All right. Moving on. <laughs> I'm glad that we're all getting vaccinated. It, it helps to kind of, the hard part I'm having right now is that I forget my boys are not vaccinated. So I'll be like, let's go not do anything because you're not vaccinated. <laughs> but it does oh, make it a little man. more peace of mind. It does. I, I feel better about it, to be honest. Um, okay. So when I ask you, what is a pack? What do you guys think of? A pack? A pack. What is a pack? <laughs> a group, a pack of wolves, a pack of Ooh, animals. Pack a pack of wolves. Pack of gum. Pack, pack of, of Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. <laughs> what about if I mentioned a political action committee? Guys, I got the update for the Asha, Asha pack this week. <laughs> so first, I've gotten into so many arguments about this thing, and there is a current argument that I'm getting into on one of the Facebook groups for speech therapy that is like, Asha needs to do more to change the law. Guys, okay. did you know what, what's wrong, Michelle? I just said, okay. <laughs> okay, Matt's getting on his soapbox. The hot box is coming back out, or hot topic, or whatever we called it. Yeah. Here's the deal. Did you know that the money that we give to ASHA does not go into influencing congressmen and senators to change the law? Did yes, you all know I did that? know that, yes. Did you know, and I'm going to share this with you. I need you guys to see this as I'm talking about this, if I can do this. You guys need to see how many people did not give. How many people are in ASHA right now? Do we know? Um, Is it 200,000 people in ASHA? I think so. I, I don't know the numbers on that one. Sounds very familiar. Well, uh, the ASHA pack raised only a total of $225,000 last year from 7,000 total contributions. Okay. So... I went to a training years ago and they said that if every ASHA member gave $10, we would be one of the strongest uh, packs in the entire country. Really? Yes. Yeah. There are about 207,000 ASHA members and only 7,000 uh, total donations came into the ASHA pack. Hmm. Uh, they dispersed about 58% of it to Democrats, 42% to Republicans. And I know in a lot of the Facebook groups, that's where a lot of hatred comes from because they don't want to give money to the, quote, other team. But I don't know, man. Like, I give my money to the ASHA pack. I gave them like 10 bucks a year. It's not a whole lot, but here's what they've done with the money, though. They've worked with Congress and CMS to have Medicare cover key audiology and speech pathology services via telepractice. Uh, they work successfully with Medicaid programs to expand coverage uh, by 36 major private health plans as well. They also fight the cut campaign to stop the 2021 Medicare payment cuts and created seven new audiology CPT codes and one new code for PPE. Hmm. New codes for PPE. Uh, they've responded, let's see, they sent out 90,000 messages to elected officials and 98% of the ASHA PAC supported candidates won their re-election in 2020 or 2021. So there we go. Not bad. Oh, and they added six states to the interstate compact. Michelle, the ASHA PAC is doing this for you because I'm moving back to Texas. 
the six hey, states, I, Louisiana, North Carolina, Oklahoma, gave, Utah, West Virginia, I gave and Wyoming. money the last two years to the pack with my renewal. Did you really? Did you really? Yeah. 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 Mike? I did not. I didn't think so. Yeah. Well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for thinking of me. But no, I bring this up because I think that there's not- And a... that's thanks to you, Matt. Thanks to you and the nice woman I spoke to at ASHA. Oh, is that really? <laughs> <laughs> at the conf- convention. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I spoke to her at the booth and she gave me a bag and we chatted for a while about PEC. <laughs> I, I, I feel like not enough people know that like it's also federally against the law for us to give money to ASHA and then them to use it to influence laws. That's it has why the, to be a separate, yeah. Yeah, that's why there's a PAC. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the more you know. The more you know. On the flip side, we'll check in with the informed SLP. We've got our news headlines and our ASHA spotlight, and we are going home. You're listening to Speak Science. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her Mom. Your hero needs you now. And AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. This is a review of the article, Social Media and People with Traumatic Brain Injury a metasynthesis of research informing a framework for rehabilitation clinical practice, policy, and training, published in the American Journal of Speech-Language Pathology. Once you put it on the internet, it's there forever. A warning that's been sounded by parents, teachers, and employers alike, but isn't always heeded. To be fair, we know that written communication can be easily misinterpreted because it's lacking tone, body language, and context. Add in social communication deficits, like people with traumatic brain injuries often have, for example, and social media can become a source of stress instead of connection. Recently, Bruner et al. studied a variety of data sources to learn about the social media use of people with traumatic brain injury particularly their experiences using Twitter, and created a free treatment protocol filled with tasks to support social media use during the rehabilitation process. You can see the full protocol in the article, but in the meantime, here are some areas you'll want to address. Purpose. 
Would they like to use the account for business purposes? Do they plan to use it to update family and friends? Therapy tasks might include categorizing different types of social media posts. Knowledge and experience. Explicitly identify and acknowledge gaps in knowledge or impairments that may amplify challenges using social media. For example, impulsivity, difficulty identifying sarcasm, etc. Caution. Education about online scams, cyberbullying, and online safety awareness is paramount. Networks. Who would they like to communicate with now? What about the future? Help your client identify these groups of people and effective ways to reach out to them. And last, supports. Identify and provide access to patient-centered resources. Provide training opportunities and collaborate with communication partners. The main takeaway, people with traumatic brain injury want social media to support their social communication skills and reconnect, just like most everyone else but the lack of support to do so functionally and safely can cause a plethora of miscommunications and missteps, making social media training during rehab more important than ever. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. The man, the myth, the legend, Mike McLeod. What's up, buddy? And Wonder Woman in her own right, Michelle Wintering. Uh, I just had my daughter in a Wonder Woman onesie. Yeah. We got stuff donated and we found an Ohio State cheerleader outfit for my daughter. That's awesome. Right. Oh, H. I O. Mike is like, I think I'm crazy. in some cult. That's, that's what Mike thinks. <laughs> Y'all you didn't know when you were getting in thoughts. with this Ohio. Good thoughts. Happy thoughts. Let's check in with the news headlines this week. Uh, first off, I guess I missed this completely. It's World Autism Month. Did you guys all know this? Yeah, man. Like Disability Month? I had no mm-hmm. idea any of this was happening. Yep. That's it. Well, Just, you, yep. need to, you need to, you need <laughs> yep. to get on it, dude. Well, April has always been a big push um, for autism awareness. I was going to say, why don't I remember this from last year? That's right, because we were out of school all last year. <laughs> last year, nothing happened. I, well, I know that May is Better Speech and Hearing Month, so I just assumed Disability Month would be in the same month. But no, I guess not. It's no, also traumatic just, brain We also have month. to keep doubling up on months because there's only 12. <laughs> so many things. I also know April, shout out to our occupational therapist. It's Occupational Therapy Month. See, there you go. I found that out this morning. Okay. Uh, the the second headline, um, if the, this is just more for you if you're interested in the business side of speech therapy, but between now, uh, may, uh, the market lookout from, or the outlook from March 2021 to March 2027, speech therapy uh, and other versions of speech pathology are considered to be one of the top growing market trends, uh, right, for investments. Really? You don't know that. I do now. 
What uh, investments do I need to put into speech pathology? Well, it says the global occupational and speech therapist and audiologist market was valued at $58.4 billion in 2017. And it is expected for a up to 25% uptick in the next six years. I was just wondering if I could buy stock and like in general speech well, pathology. So they talk about it like uh, <laughs> practitioners are opening up more private and group practice in their own offices. Uh, they're also working in more, uh, what are HMO medical centers? Uh, it's like a, it's an insurance based thing. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the rise in teletherapy as a solution to diagnose and treat online health maintenance uh, organization is that what it is mm -hmm. i don't know or a prefer versus a preferred provider organization but yeah so evidently um speech therapy is a hot growing market for investors i just thought it was interesting yeah so. that is interesting um, and then our last headline in chicago parents are getting more time to file complaints against special education uh-oh uh, special education advocates are pressing the state to help Chicago families impacted by the pandemic and other long-term challenges to allow them more time to press or to file complaints against their school districts, which is good. I feel like, I feel like so many times districts get by with things just because of timelines or a deadline. Like, Oh, you didn't get that in time. We didn't, we're not going to hear that, that complaint against our, therapist that's not seeing your children or anything i agree with that mm -hmm. so. that's correct that is our quick headlines of the speech and language variety in the asha spotlight it is always easy to check out what they're doing wrong like we talked about in the beginning it's not necessarily them it might be the asha pack but this is our opportunity to look at something they're doing right and Mike, you brought this up. The Senate, they're working with the Senate to help pass the bill to postpone Medicare cuts. Medicare never wants to pay for anything, yet they always do. <laughs> Correct. Uh, the next step, it still needs to go to the House. Uh, they must agree to the Senate-passed bill, and the House is in recess until April 13th. Of course they are. But Medicare did announce that they will temporarily uh, avoid the 2% deduction reductions that were supposed to go into effect today. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. Is it real? Yeah. So, <laughs> is it what I don't get? Okay, listen, maybe this is me just being an idiot. Mike, you're the private practice owner. Help me understand this. Okay. Inflation means things cost more, right? Correct. So, if my milk costs more, if I own a private practice, I'm probably going to need to charge more to cover not just my milk, but my heat, my therapy materials, my testing protocols, et cetera, right? Absolutely. So why is Medicaid trying to make cuts? Because they don't care. <laughs> that's why. Because they, they, that's the, the simple reason why. Uh, politicians do not care about people in need. They care about corporations. Uh, and they they do not want the government using its money to go towards programs. They, they don't, you know, just you know the same reason why there was the, you know, they don't they 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 want charter schools instead of public schools. They want to defund the the post office. 
They want all the, you know, they want the government spending zero money and just free open market. But uh, Medicare is a, is a backbone that millions upon millions of people rely on uh, and millions of people have a career on. Uh, so uh, if it doesn't affect the politician, they don't care. Simply said. Well, that's. Uh, I, I think it is a, yeah, a lack of exposure, a last, lack of a personal connection. Just what you said, that last line, Mike, of if it doesn't affect them, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't personally know someone it does affect, it's hard to even consider that being an issue. They're looking at the yep. bottom line of, of funding. Well, y'all remember my fight with my state here in Ohio where they told me that hearing aids are considered cosmetic. Which is not just Ohio, as I've told uh, you. It, yeah, I know, but still, like, is, I'm not in other states, Michelle. The, yeah, but that is a constant frustration I, for I people it. who need it. hearing aids, and it's. I'm sorry, I. W- I know. I'd rather <laughs> us argue on the I same side of this one. So frustrated by that, mm-hmm. um, having worked with so many people who have hearing aids and had coworkers. I went with a coworker to her appointment as an adult to get hearing aids and. They weren't being covered. You know what? We have a we have we have fourteen hundred rabid listeners. I think we should we should mobilize our listeners. Let's do, Let's it. do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna create a little form that we can all and we'll we'll post it up on our Facebook page. Yeah, like and, a form letter that we yeah, can submit to basically demand that the wording is changed on at least hearing aids. We can't do anything about Medicare because that's federal. But if we all bombard our states, maybe we can get Let's that changed. It. Let's hey, do it. Hey, we're going to try to do something good, Mike. I like it. Count me in. Oh, Mike man. <laughs> Doing something good, Mike. <laughs> like that he did, disagrees with that us. Did come, that did come out much worse than I meant it to. I am so sorry, Mike. You are on the good side. Right? Thanks, man. No problem. Oh, man, y'all, this is wrapping up our episode. If you want to head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com, 614-681-1798, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, hashtag it up, SSPod, and, of course, hit up on our Discord, discord discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. It's hit or miss on the Discord, to be honest. I love Discord. Do you guys use Discord? Other than yep. just, just to check out what we're doing. Other than ours, no. So I am on a bunch of discords now, and I love it. We okay. can broadcast yeah, live sweet. onto a it's Discord. It's not bad. Now. It is cool. Okay. So, all right. What are you guys doing this week that is not speech therapy related? I'm going to the dentist tomorrow. Ooh, on Good Friday. On Good Friday. So a Good Friday dentist visit. So... When you're an adult, when you're an adult, a true adult, going to the doctor and things like the dentist is a totally different experience. Yes, so, it is. still getting used to that. Mike, my my four year old has like eight cavities, and he's going under anesthesia to get them fixed next month. Mm, I'm so Ooh. sorry. Yeah, Michelle, what are you doing that's not therapy related? Celebrating Easter this weekend. Hey, hey. And making a bunny cake. I didn't make one last year for the first time in Aww. years. And I am making the bunny cake. Uh, I surprised my boys and I ordered a donut that is the size of a spare tire. What? Right. It is about, it is like yay big. And of course, we're on a visual medium right now for everyone listening at home. I have my hands about shoulder width apart. 
Yeah. We are gonna need. I'll, I'll send pictures. I'll post them with I'll a size pictures. comparison. Yes. To share. So I will. I will do that. That that is their surprise for for Sunday morning. Also, like I. This is a weird soapbox image. Like, did y'all know that like there are non-Christians that work in schools? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know they don't get their holidays off? Yes. Yeah, I didn't until like this year, and I'm so surprised by that. Also, I've realized how small of a world I live in, where everyone <laughs> I used to work with has always been of the same religion as I have been, or the same version um, of religion. So, like now that I'm with people that are not, I'm like, oh my god, you don't get off for your holiday? There you go. Me. Well, it depends on the holiday. Do you mean for Easter? Well, like Passover. No, I mean I was thinking like I. I know depending on the organization, some people will do an Easter Monday. You get Monday off, but most places don't. Yeah, no, but like they get, we're all off on like public schools here in Ohio are off on tomorrow for Good Friday. But Really? Like, yeah, but like people of like the Jewish faith didn't get off for Passover this week. By the way, happy Passover to anyone that was celebrating it when this episode was there, was uh, no, recorded. Yeah. No, um, I think it just depends on the district. And then also if, yeah, it's, I agree with you that it's, it's arbitrary because it's based on typically national holidays and then trickle down to local yeah it just surprised areas who decide it's just surprised i was like wait you don't get off for your holiday they're like no i take personal days and i was like well everyone should get off for their birthday it's a personal holiday well right i mean like (laughs) like, let's be honest i was like "Hmm, how do i use my personal days from my state bowling tournament Uh to work at comic Mm -hmm. convention and they're like yeah i use mine so i can be off on my religious holidays and i was like oh oh that doesn't sound fair yeah but i'm taking mine off to go to comic con Mm, i don't think most schools have off tomorrow am i the only one and my son I never and did. The other schools in Cincinnati. A lot of schools here have off. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. I think it depends. I mean, I also when I went to a Catholic school, we had it off. Well, that's yes, right. That's 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 a given. That's a little different. Uh, what am I doing this week that is not speech related? Getting this train wreck back on target. That is what I am doing. We will be back next week, maybe. Hopefully, maybe we can put together four shows in six weeks and call it a record. Uh, I got upcoming Hey, interviews. we have three new babies in six right. months, so that's pretty Man, good. Man, children are so difficult to take care of. Our <laughs> intro music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share alike license. Our bump music is the County Fair Rock, copyrighted John Deku. Find his music at soundcloud.com slash Music. Uh, the informed SLP, excuse me, the informed SLP was at the count by Broke for Free, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. And the closing music playing right now it's the slow burn by Kevin McLeod is licensed under a creative commons attribution license. Oh my gosh, guys, I forgot to tell you this crazy story. One of the aides I work with found my YouTube channel and found out that I used to work in radio and now they won't stop asking me questions about working in radio. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I was you're like, famous, listen dude. to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Can't hide if your you're fame. At home, what'd you say, Mike? Can't hide your fame, dude. Can't hide it. If you're at you home, born. hit those five stars, give us a follow and share us with somebody. We're going to try to push to 2,000 downloads. And coming up at the end of April, we will have a giveaway for those of you that have rated us five stars. So make sure you get a screen grab of that and start submitting that. I will have a giveaway for you at the end of the month. For Michael McLeod and Michelle Wintering, I'm Matt Hot. And the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The oak looks strong, but will crack under pressure. 
Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.